Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. standing on the holy ground. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the name of the Lord. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, reading with verse 32. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, reading with verse 32. Man, I'm so thankful for this precious life of living for the Lord. It is an amazing blessing to live for God. I mean, oh, he's with us. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He said, I will be with you even until the end. If you believe that, shout amen. Praise God. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Just feel the Lord here today. I'm so thankful. So thankful. Take a moment. Lift your hands unto the Lord that you love him. God, we feel your presence and we know that you're here. We know that you're with us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We are we are tonight excited to have a healing, miracles, infilling the Holy Ghost crusade service tonight with Brother David Smith. It's going to be so powerful tonight. I'm very excited got quite a bit of people come from our other campuses that are excited to be here. I'm, I'm hoping that each and every one of you can come tonight. I know it's a holiday weekend and we've tried to stay consistent when we went to first Sundays, a missions emphasis, uh, and uh, we've canceled a lot of Sundays, nights, but we, and there's some pressure on a pastor because I realize it's a holiday weekend. But we're hoping that you have been rested and vacationed up, can be here tonight, and um, and believing for God to do absolutely amazing things among us tonight. I miss Sunday nights, by the way. I'm not going to do a consensus about going back today because you might not listen to anything else I have to say. But uh, I do miss Sunday nights, that's for sure. But I know um, with everything that we do, sending out other campuses, there's a lot of people involved in a lot of other cities that are, that are even here, but uh, anyhow, I want to say that so good to have Brother Spencer Smith with us today, Brother David Smith's son, amen, he's our evangelist in McConnellsville today, would you welcome him, we're so glad he's here, amen, so thankful he's here, we love his family, many of us have been impacted by your family's ministry, and a year ago you blessed us so much preaching, and we're so thankful, amen, let's, let's, Turn our attention to the word of the Lord, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's look what it says. We'll just read one verse. I know you've been standing for a while. It says, And through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. Everybody shout, There is a window. I mean, did your homework and study the Apostle Paul? Oh, my lands, I got some work to do. I've got some work to do. I told you to study the Apostle Paul through the book of Acts last week, but uh, I'll help you. 
even if you were busy with other things. Everybody shout again, there's a window. I may believe God's given us an opportunity, a window of opportunity right now. Would you clap your hands and thank God for it? Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell them God has given us a window to reach our world. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. No one understood it better than Saul. We understand he became the Apostle Paul, but not in this setting. Paul is a recent convert to the Christian way. He is a man that that wreaked, the Bible says, he wreaked havoc on the church. Those that knew him, to hear the word Saul was to bring fear. To be a preacher or a believer, if you heard that Saul was coming, there was fear that would have tried to settle in you. He later boasts of saying, he said, I put my word against them, who the believer, that they would be killed, that they would be in prison. He said, I drug them out and separated them and scattered these people. Paul was the persecutor of the church. He was a Jew. He was raised the strictest of the Pharisees. He had a letter in his hand or a scroll that gave him authority to stop the gospel of Jesus Christ from spreading and he did absolutely everything in his power to stop it. Scripture tells us that he held the coat of the, those that were stoning Stephen. He was holding the coats of them stoning him and he watched Stephen take his last breath. He is now a believer because on his way to Damascus, there was a light that shined upon him and he fell to the ground. And Jesus Christ himself said to Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. He said, Saul, I've got better things planned for you. You are going to be a witness of me to the Gentile people and to the Jews. He was stricken with blindness and had to be led by somebody because his sight had been taken. He is told to go to a specific location and men are leading him blindlessly to where God told him to go. On his way there, God speaks to his man. God speaks to a man of God by the name of Ananias. Ananias, I want you to go to Straight Street. There's somebody that I'm sending to you and his name is Saul. I want you to go pray for him and Ananias stops and, and, uh, and, and the Lord tells him, I want you to go put your hands on him and um, that he may receive his sight. Ananias answered the Lord. He said, I have heard many things of this man, how much evil he hath done to the saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority in Damascus, this location, from the chief priest to bind all that call upon thy name. The Lord speaks to Ananias. I want you to go lay hands on Saul that his eyes would be open because he's as normal as you and me. He said, hold on a minute. I've heard a few things about this Saul fella. 
he, he, he held the coat of the stoners that, that, that stoned Stephen. He, he imprisoned the, the, the family member. He, he, he has his authority to bind and to shackle everybody that claims to be a Christian. And the Lord responds to him. Look at your neighbor and say there was hesitation. Oh yes, there was hesitation. There, there, there was a, a hesitation to move forward. But the Lord said unto him, Ananias, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. The Bible tells us that he had told Ananias, Ananias, I want you to go to Saul. Everybody say with me, for he he's praying. He's praying. I want you to go to Straight Street. I want you to go down there. I want you to lay hands on him that he might receive his sight because he's praying. And he said, he's a chosen vessel to me. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I submit to you today, it would take faith to go and pray for Saul. It would take much faith to leave the comforts of where you are, to go to a place of a man that is wreaking havoc on the church and pray for him. But no matter how strange the opposition seemed, the Bible says he went. He went to him. God was revealing to Ananias, I have given you a window. I have given you an opportunity. There is something about to happen that I want you to be a part of. I realize there's an attack on the church. I realize there's an attack on those preaching the gospel. I realize there's an attack on righteous people. I realize there's an attack on the traditional biblical family. I understand there's an attack on our youth. There's an attack on the Christian way. There's an attack on moral living. There's an attack on proclaiming biblical truths about family like I did this morning. But I come to tell you, it doesn't matter how great the attack is. God has a plan for this for this people. God has a plan for the United States of America. God has a plan for Zanesville, Ohio and Southeast. God has a plan. Look at your neighbor and say, God has a plan. And he wants you to be in it. Get up and go. All you ladies, look at the men and say, man up and go. Man up. Get up and go do what God has called you to do. And the Bible says, and Ananias went his way, entered into the house and putting his hands on, on him said, Brother Saul, he hasn't been baptized yet. He hasn't received the spirit yet. He is, he is simply a man that is praying that God has given Ananias a word for. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me. He has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Was he going in the right direction? Yes. Is he hearing the voice of God? Yes. Has he been baptized? No. Has he been filled with the Spirit? You can see here plainly. He has not been filled with the Spirit. He is on his way to receive the fullness of truth, but he has not received it yet. 
It would be here that later the book of Acts chapter 22 when it tells the story that he looked at him and he said, Why tarriest thou, Acts 22, 16? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Amen. Somebody shout amen. The Bible tells us that when he laid hands on him, verse 18 of Acts 9, and immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received his sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Verse 19 of Acts 9, Paul, excuse me, Saul's conversion. When he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. Let me, let me label verse 19 this way. Saul's first church was in Damascus. Saul's first church was with the believers here. This is where he would have gathered and been taught. This is where he would have been accepted into the local congregation. When it says certain days with the disciples, that's not talking about Simon, Peter, James, and John, Bartholomew. It's not talking about them. It's talking about the believers that are in Damascus. Amen. Could you imagine... Ananias coming to you and saying, uh, I want to warn you, but tonight at Bible study, we've got a special guest. Who is it? Just trust me. Everybody knows who Saul is. Everybody has heard of him. The first martyr, Stephen, we know it was Saul's reason, Saul's word. Saul stood there without a heart. Saul stood there with a cold face while he took his last breath and was stoned. They know who he is, but there's nothing more powerful than a believer that believes in the man of God, that believes in the word of God. I believe, it doesn't say it specifically, but I believe that it was Ananias that would have told him, you can let him come in. You, you need to let him come into the church. Saul's going to be here. But the Lord spoke to me that he's a chosen vessel for the Lord. Jesus appeared to him. I watched his blinded eyes open. Scales like fell from his eyes. Guess what? I've got news for all you, all you, all you Jewish people here. Guess what? God's going to use him to get the gospel to the rest of the world. We've really only seen a break in Jerusalem, but we've never seen it in Judea, really. It, it really hasn't reached the other place. I, I know Acts chapter 8 talks about Samaria, and that was a moment with Simon Peter. But listen to me. There's so much more than just what he's going to do here. The Lord's going to use Saul to take the gospel to the rest of the world. Believers in that day weren't excited over the local church. Believers in that day were believing that the gospel would get to the world. Everybody that signed up to be a believer was willing to be a martyr. They fell in love with their conversion. They fell in love with their experience. And I want you to know, there's more to Christianity than a local membership and, and chicken dinners and peanut brittle, social events and small groups. Come on, there's more to this than a church service on Sunday. When a believer became a believer, they became converted. They knew God changed my heart. I am not what I used to be. The Lord converted me. He changed. He opened my eyes. He filled. I mean, no, there's a conversion when you are born again. And when Ananias said, he's not what he used to be. Oh, come on, Paul later writes, all things.
things are passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. Paul later writes, put off the old man and put on the new man because this Saul understood something happens when Jesus touches your life. I just want to know before I move on on this Labor Day holiday celebration, luncheon, cookout weekend, is there anybody in this room that still believes that God can change a life, God can change a heart, God can change a mind? Come on, I can't do it, but God can. Come on, God can change a sinner's heart. He can change a man's life. He can change a lady's ways. He's with them. He's with the local church for a period of time. The Bible says certain days he was with the disciples which are at Damascus. Straightway, guess what, straightway. It's almost in my mind sooner than it should have been. But straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues. That he is the son of God. He's with the local believers but then he starts showing up at the, he starts showing up at the Jewish believers. The Jewish churches. Let me put it this way. The Jewish non-believers. They didn't believe Christ was the Son of God. They didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. They didn't believe Jesus was the Christ. And he would show up, and guess what? He is welcome there. He is. He's a welcome at the synagogues. He's welcome where the Jews are. But then there were moments you can read in Scripture. They would say, Any, anybody like to say anything? We don't do that here because we've had people say things they shouldn't say. They used to say when they dismissed service, are all hearts and minds clear? Listen, you don't want to open that door. One of my kids said one time, Dad, I don't get it. At the end of the wedding, you say, is there anybody like to say anything? If not, you'll forever hold your peace. Could you imagine being at the wedding? I got something I like to say. I don't think this is right today. Just one time I like to see it in another city that I don't know anybody, wouldn't you? In the synagogues, I got scriptural precedence for it. But they would say, anybody like to say? And Paul would raise his hand. I got something I'd like to say. And in chapter 13, is one of the most powerful messages you've ever heard about Christ. He would go all the way back to the book of Genesis or the book of Exodus. Talk about the children of Israel that came out of Egypt. He would lead them all the way through the law and, and lead from the law all the way to Jesus Christ. And he was saying, the one that Isaiah prophet, all the prophets... That's what he would say. What all the law and the prophets spoke about is Jesus. And then he would tell them his testimony, how a light would shine into him and how God had changed his heart. And many people got mad and wanted to kill him. And when he started the synagogues telling his story, you're talking about earth-shaking, earth-shattering. The Jews are talking about this guy named Saul. Isn't this a guy? They had the authority and the masses to kill the Christians, but now he's preaching just like him. Look, he talks like him. He's for them. What's happened to you? God visited me. The light of heaven shine unto me. And you listen to this preacher. Jesus is revealing himself all over this world right now. There are Muslims that are praying and Jesus is coming to them and saying, I am the Lord whom you seek. I'm telling you, God is doing something in the end time. Do you still believe he's still revealing himself? Watch what it says in Acts 9. Everybody say there's a window. And it goes on and says, says but all that heard him, verse 21. Uh, uh, let me go to verse 20. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, 
Is not this he that destroyed them which called on his this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent? Didn't he come to Damascus to stop the gospel from being preached? To stop believers from believing? Isn't that why he's here? But that's not what we hear him saying. We hear him talking like them. And it says, and came hither for that intent that he might bring what? Them bound to do the chief priest. Didn't he come here to apprehend the gospel? Didn't he come here to apprehend this doctrine of Jesus? Isn't that why he's here? Next verse. But Saul increased the more in strength. Amen. Anytime opposition comes, strength will come. And confounded the Jews. Oh, I feel like preaching today to tell you when sin abound, grace does much more abound. When it looks like there's more against you, there's going to be more for you. When it looks like it's trying to stop you, that's God coming to multiply you. It is not the stopping of the church. I know we want our kids to have no struggle, but struggle will produce power. It will produce greatness. I come to tell you there is some opposition, but God is going to build a mighty church. In the end time, it's going to be powerful. But Saul increased the more in strength, confounded the Jews. He confounded the Jews which well at Damascus, proving that this is very or the very Christ that Jesus was the anointed one that's what that means Jesus is the Messiah when you say the Messiah you're talking about he's the one that Isaiah prophesied about unto us a child is born the son is given out of a virgin and in Isaiah chapter 7 shall come forth this son I'm preaching to you today he began to preach that this is the Christ the one that hung on the cross, the one that died on the cross, resurrected on the third day. This is the Christ. I come to tell you, we don't have any time in our pulpits for politics. We don't have any pulp time in our pulpits for Democrat and Republican and Libertarian and Independent. That's not why we're here. We gotta get in the church and preach the gospel. It's the gospel that's gonna bring power. It's the gospel that's gonna bring transformation. Come on, you didn't come here for a community effort. You came here to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what's going to change lives. Paul later writes in Romans 1 and 16, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Somebody shout, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God. I come to tell you, you've got to believe in the gospel. You've got to believe in the message. You've got to believe that when it's preached, things are going to happen. When it's preached, lives are going to be changed. When it's preached, there's going to be transformation. It's not just another story. It's the power of God. No gospel preached, no power of God. If the gospel's not preached, there is no power. You, gotta breathe. you have to believe in the message. Somebody shout, I believe in the message. Do you believe in the gospel? How many of you believe it still works? Or has it been so long ago that God converted you, you forgot what he's done for you and you're just living your blessed life? No, I remember when he found me. I remember when I heard it preached and it changed my life. It turned me around. Come on, somebody ought to clap your hands and lift your voice. It changed my life. 
I've watched it turn mean people into amazing people. I've watched it turn bound people into free people. I've watched it turn sinners into saints. And like the apostle Paul, it turned a murderer into an apostle. He said, I'm not ashamed of it for it is the power of God. I say we sing the gospel. I say we pray the gospel. And I say we preach the gospel because it's the only thing that works. Come on. The Bible says they filled the city with their doctrine. We ought to fill this city with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody ought to hear about it. How many know he's the answer for our world? He's the answer for generation. He's the answer. got to preach the gospel. If it doesn't come back to the gospel, we're wasting our time. I appreciate fellowship, but we got to continue in the apostles' doctrine. Everybody say, the gospel. The gospel is a seed that brings power of conversion. Lord, let us have a revival, a revival of transformation. Transformation. And that's what Paul is here. He's going and preaching. This is the very Christ. I'll say to you today, it's 2023, but Jesus is alive and well. Come on. I said he's alive. Go tell it on the mountain. Go tell it everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everybody ought to be talking about him. Everybody ought to still be proclaiming him. He's not in a tomb. He's not hanging on the cross. He's alive. Somebody shout, he's alive. He's alive for your family. He's alive for those incarcerated. He's alive in those that are strung out. He's alive for those that are hopeless. He's alive for those that are sick. He's alive for those that are diseased. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. You know what he understood? When you preach the gospel, he always shows up. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, he said, there I am in the midst of them. Somebody shout, the gospel. Do you believe in the message? Here's the next question. Do you believe in the man? You believe in the message, but do you believe in the man? Well, I'm just going to sit around and wait and see if they prove themselves. Oh, no, 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 no. There was a witness of the Spirit. He was a persecutor, but he's not now. I do see the fruit of repentance. I do see as Saul comes into the local church, and I imagine there was apprehension. Just a little bit. Shake hands and be friendly. You're not looking for Saul. You're looking for a door. What if he's taking down names? What if he's there here undercover? What if he comes and says, I saw them with their hands raised. I, I heard them say Jesus. I was there when they began to tremble under the presence of God. I heard somebody, I heard that one doing some jabber or something called it tongues they said they were praying in Jesus name I was there when they baptized somebody what if there might have been apprehension but it didn't stop them from moving forward and embracing the day you stop thinking he converts people is the day you've lost your faith in the message I just don't know if anybody's getting it anymore I've had all kinds of things said to me over the last 20 years just don't know I'm going to tell you right now, the gospel is going to be preached until the trumpet sounds. And it's going to work then like it has always worked. It will work. 
You have to believe in the man. At some point, Saul, we're so glad you're here. Listen, we can really say that. We're so thankful God saved you. I mean, no, there would be an abundance of salvation, an abundance of, of, of appreciation to know that Saul has been converted. The next Bible study, he's there. He's asking questions. He's getting taught the truth. He's going out immediately, it appears, going out and teaching this and coming back and reporting to the local church until guess what the enemy tried to do. Everybody say, stop him. Oh, hallelujah. Can I have a few more minutes here today? He increased in strength. You may be seated. He increased in strength and confounded the Jews, proving that this is a very Christ. And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. We're going to kill him. This guy that's no longer doing what he was sent here to do, we're going to kill him. They did have the authority to kill him. You can read that all through the book of Acts. I stood just a few weeks ago in the, in the Colosseum of Rome where there is a Colosseum that seats about 80 thousand people. They tell me they could seat 50 to 80 thousand people in 15 minutes. It's one of the most magnificent structures. It was, they, they tell me there that it was built by Christian slaves. Amphitheaters that were there where they said they, they said in, the, in our tour guide said there was a half a million people killed there in that arena where they made sport of Christians and burnt people at the stake. I'm talking about I'm talking about Saul was a part of that group that would have persecuted, stoned to death, right in eyesight, just close to the Colosseum where Simon Peter was crucified and hung upside down. Right from the Colosseum was where later Saul was imprisoned. Saul knew more about persecution than anybody being persecuted. And now he went from the persecutor to becoming the persecuted. And he knows what they're going to do to him. And he, he is in Damascus. He is in a house or a group somewhere in Damascus with believers. And this is what it said. The Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying awake was known of Saul. Somebody told Saul, they're waiting on you. And they watched the gates day and night to kill him. They were looking for him to leave the city. You know why they're looking for him to leave the city? I don't think just to leave the threat. But they know anytime somebody gets the gospel, they start taking it other places. And we're going to wait at the gate so he can't get this out anywhere. We're going to confine it to the city. We're going to confine it to Damascus. We're going to keep it right here and stop it right here in our city. Watch this. And it says, verse 25, then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. In 2 Corinthians, I bring to you here today, I think a point that this is, Luke is writing the book of Acts, so Luke gives his count of that. But Paul writes the book of Corinthians, first and second, and he, this is how he describes it. He says, verse 32 of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, are y'all with me? Say amen. 
in Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the king, kept the city of the Damascenes with a garrison, desirous to apprehend me. Luke said they were going to kill him. Paul said, not, not saying they wouldn't kill him, he said they want to apprehend me. That, that means to imprison, that means to chain, that means to bind. He understands that. Can I say to you today, it's really not about you. It's not about killing the preacher. It's not even about apprehending the preacher. The whole purpose of it is to stop the gospel from spreading. And I will say to this congregation, the enemy will do everything he can to stop the gospel from leaving this building, from stopping the gospel from leaving this city, to stop the gospel from leaving your home. That's why it's had to that's why it's hard to have devotion in your house because the enemy has created such a busy structure that we don't have time to pray at home, do a Bible study at home, and to train our own children up at home. It is quiet. I can almost, it's quiet. But the whole goal is to lock the gospel in a classroom on a one-day service on a Sunday morning and not have anything to do with the Monday through Saturday to get our mind on everything but the gospel. I've come to tell you in 2023, the enemy is still trying to apprehend the preacher and to kill the gospel from spreading. Listen to me, saints of God, citizens of this wonderful country that I love, the enemy's trying its best. They tell me 5,000 churches have closed right after COVID. Preachers only last about five years in 2023. Most preachers don't even make it to retirement. You know why? There's an attack on the evangelist. There's an attack on the apostle. The enemy's trying to stop, discourage, put down, push down. Anybody that's teaching, preaching in the jails, in the streets, trying to make a difference, the enemy's coming after you. But I've got news for the enemy. There is a window in Damascus. There's a window in the city. There's a window here right now. There's a window in the church. There's a window in saints. Would you jump to your feet and shout, there is a window. Look at your neighbor and say, there's a window. There's a window. They're waiting at the gate to stop it. But somewhere inside of that room, come here, Elder Chuck. Come here, Sister Tina. Brother, Sister Brosie, come up here. Be seated just a minute.
could exist how world. Represents releasing him to what God called him to do. They understand the ramifications of keeping him in Damascus. If he stays in Damascus, he dies. You can't keep it here. You can't keep, keep the gospel here. If you keep the gospel in this building on Sunday mornings, it will, the church will die. If this is the only time the gospel is preached and it's preached to the same people over and over again, there will be no effect. The only way the things of God stay alive is they have to stay in forward motion. The water that comes out of the altar in Ezekiel 47, if it stopped flowing, it, it became stagnant and wouldn't heal. But if it was moving, it brought healing. If it was moving, it brought new life. But the moment it stopped moving was the moment it started dying. Your Bible does no good on your shelf. And your testimony does no good hoarded up in your heart. I'm going to preach it hard and I'll preach it straight. But God didn't save you just for you to be saved. God didn't call you just for you to be in church on Sunday. It's got to move before it would ever be powerful. It, come on, jump to your feet as I come to a close. It has to move before it will heal. It has to move before it will grow. Hold the, hold the rope tight. Let him down, let him down. Back up, keep going. They believe in him. That's why they're working through a window. I am convinced right now that there's never been more attack than what we're seeing at the end time. Evil men are waxing worse and worse. There's an attack on the church. An attack as I preached earlier. There's an enemy at the gate waiting to kill, to apprehend, to stop. But there's some people in the local church that says, Saul, we believe you are God's man. We believe that God has called you to go. We believe that God has called you. 
and they believe in the message, they believe in the man, and they believe in the support. A threefold cord is hard to be broken. You believe that? Shout amen. amen. So not only are we going to receive you, we're going to send you. And they keep backing up. His faith is in the one that's holding him up. He knows if they let go, my ministry's over. He knows if they don't believe in him, it's over. But he knows he has a future because they are holding on and releasing him to go. This represents faith. Through what? The window that God has called us to operate in. I believe the Lord's coming soon. I believe he's coming soon, but I'm going to tell you what else I believe. I believe God's given us a window in North America to have the greatest revival that we've ever seen in its history. Untie yourself. I want you to go on and walk out that door. Don't come back until I holler for you. And they're watching him escape in the night going on, believing that their faith in him and God's word in him. He's going to accomplish that which God sends him to accomplish. We can't hold him here. It seems safer here, but it'll die here. I can't hold people here when God's called them somewhere else. I practice what I'm preaching. It should never be, well, how many do we have at the local church? I understand that. That's okay. there, there's a, but it should be, how many are we sending to the field? I wonder what would have happened if we hadn't sent anybody to Crooksville. Where would Tony Richard be if we hadn't went? Where would the Walters be? Where, where, where would the Howdy Shells be? Where, where, where would they be? Where, all those families and that, that are there and now it's went to New Lex and went on. What, what would happen if we would have never went? I submit to you today that if they would have kept Saul in Damascus, the book of Acts would have ended at chapter 12. Did you hear me? If they would have held him in Damascus, he'd have died. No purpose, no life. But because they sent him, the book of Acts does not end at chapter 12. There's a chapter 13. There's a chapter 14. You go read it. From the book of Acts chapter 13 on, it's all about Paul. You wouldn't have had the book of Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians. You wouldn't have had the book of Philemon, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. 1st, 2nd Timothy, all the way to the book of James. You would not have had literally 100 pages from my Thompson chain would be missing if they hadn't helped him through the window. <laughs> there would have been no Paul and Silas. There would have been no Paul and Barnabas. There would have been no winds and shipwrecks that would have put him on the island of Melita and a great revival breaks out there. They're, 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 the gospel would, would have never got to Rome. It, it would have never got to Phrygia and Galatia. It, it would have never got 
Because God didn't call Simon Peter to do it. If we can recognize that God has called us to be more than church members, He's called us to evangelize our world. Yeah, it would have been great to try to bust everybody in from all over so we can say we have a bigger crowd. But this is not about a crowd. This is about Crooksville getting the gospel. It's about McConnellsville getting the gospel. It's about Cambridge getting the gospel. It's about Guatemala getting the gospel. It's about Vietnam getting the gospel. And Paul says it this way as I close. He said, thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep and on a boat just a few weeks ago. I was sitting there in the Mediterranean at night looking out over those waters. In the Mediterranean where he would have been shipwrecked. No lights in sight certainly would have been in that day. You imagine floating, saw your saw a, a blue whale while we were there, 100 feet long. You imagine floating a night in the day, in the deep. At night, shark infested waters. He said, in journeyings often in perils of waters in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils, that means dangers in the wilderness, in the perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. He said, besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. He said, if you only understood what I've come through, what I've been through, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in the, in, in the things I've been through. I've been 195 stripes on my back. I was whipped and beaten. You know what? But every storm that ever blew against me, the gospel was carried to a new location. Every opposition that I had to deal with, floating with a, a broken ship, it looked like my days were over, but it just drove me a little closer to the, my prophecy. It just pushed me a little closer to my destiny. Hallelujah. He didn't say you wouldn't have any trials, any wins, any opposition, but if you go through something, I come to tell you, it's going to push you to the gospel, get into a new location. Amen. That's why he said, I... I rejoice in persecution. What's he saying? I, 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 I look at this. But he stops. He pauses. Talks about all these things he went through. Everybody take your hand and say a lot of stuff. But he stops, he pauses, and he says, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast on this. And then he says, I was in Damascus. They sought to apprehend me. But they let me down in a window in a basket. Here's what he was saying. I went through all of those things because the local church believed in me when I began. You hear me? If the local church fails, there's no global revival. There's no regional revival. If the local church does not get involved, there's no mission. God chose, as I taught this morning, the family. But God also chose the local church to be the believers. It is the grassroots effort of evangelizing our world. Go look on a map of Paul's three journeys and then his fourth, which was the journey to Rome. Go, go study it. Look how it went and how it happened. 
The gospel would have never left Judea without Saul. It had never left that, that little small area there in the Middle East without him. Here's what I'll say to this church. What's the next chapter of the Anchor Church? What's the next chapter? What's the next chapter? What is the next chapter that God's doing in your life? It's safer to stay in the mask of the seams because they're waiting on the gate to kill you. But I'm going to tell you, it's not safer in Damascus. I feel the same faith that has to come upon us. One young person after another has come to me and telling me, Pastor, I feel called to missions. I feel called to missions. I feel called to missions. Mama, what are you going to do when they come? They say, I feel like I'm supposed to take the gospel. tell you some of you in the building why you're numb and you can't feel God the way you used to it's because when God challenged you to a new level you felt it safer just to continue where you were and when the water stops flowing read it Ezekiel 47 when it becomes marsh there's no life it's going to happen with nudges 3 a.m. moments that God wakes you up and you know you feel a call to prayer and you got to make a decision. Am I going to go to this call? Just It's how it starts. It's small victories, Brother Cody, as you teach. It's how we overcome temptation. I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to do that. You have small, you, you get dominion by small victories. You get to your call by obeying small nudges. Next thing you know, you're at a restaurant and the Lord says, I want you to speak to them. I want you to teach them a Bible study. Tony Richard preached five times when he became the pastor of that congregation. Too soon, no, right on time. We got to quit locking the God in the box and say it's too premature and obey what the Lord is going to do. I tell you in the Holy Ghost that there is a window of revival in North America where millions are going to be filled with the Spirit. Millions are going to be filled with the Spirit. And he's called the local church to walk through the window of time because a window represents what God is going to do now. He'll never put a temptation on you that you can't bear. He'll always give a door of escape. I'm going to put it this way. A window to walk through to continue. Somebody shout, we will continue. Our Labor Day weekend prayer ought to be, Lord, send labors to the field. Send labors to the field. I tell you, get involved or you're going to die. Put your hand to the plow. Don't look back or you're not fit for the kingdom, the Bible says. Get involved. I wish somebody would put your hand toward the Lord. And say, I'm going to get involved with sending. I'm going to get involved with the window. I'm going to get involved with the local church. I'm going to get involved. There's a window right now that God has given us to reach. The enemy's trying to shut it down, but no, 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 no. We're going to go reach our world. Lift your hands to the air and begin to love Him. Hallelujah. Speak to us, God. Speak to us, Lord. What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your life? 
somebody, what are you doing with your life? He converted you. He filled you with his spirit. somebody would respond to the call of God and say, I don't want to miss the window in my world. Come on, God's giving you a window. Don't miss it, Esther. You've come to kingdom for such a time as this. God shouldn't have to call anybody else to do what he's called you to do. There's a window. you got to believe in your conversion. Believe in your experience. There's a call of God. What are you going to do if you miss it? You're going to die spiritually. You miss the call. If you miss the window, you're going to die spiritually. Your well's going to dry up. Your passion's going to dry up. Your desires are going to dry up. Prayer's going to be powerless. Church is just going to be something, something you mark off. As another to-do thing on your to-do list. But no, I'm getting involved again, Pastor. I'm not going to let my call wither away. There's a call of God. You're going to stand before kings. You've got a prophecy that calls you to endure every hardship. I know others have failed, but he's called you. He's called you. He's called you. God has given you a window in time. Don't miss the window. Come on, preacher. Come on, believer. Come on. I know the enemy's coming like a flood, but there's a window. He brought you back to this church. He brought you back to the church. He brought you back to the kingdom because he's got a plan for you, Esther. He's got a plan for your soul. You're going to Antioch and it's going to explode from there. You can't stay in Tarsus. You've got to get to Antioch. There's a revival waiting. Hallelujah. 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 I wish some hands were lifted and saying, I'm going to, get, I'm going to be a part of getting the gospel. Out. I'm going to be a part of teaching a Bible study. I'm going to be a part of witnessing. I'm going to be a part. There's a call of God from the local church. Sending me, or I'm a part of sending them. 
I mean, oh, the rope represents faith in what God is doing in his kingdom. Praise the name of the Lord. How I many want that to be a part of what you're doing? We're raising up. We're training up. I'm teaching Sunday school. I'm sending. I'm working in youth ministry. I'm sending. I'm driving a church van. I'm sending. I'm reaching. I'm going. I mean, want God to use you. Hallelujah. Gates of hell will not prevail. Gates of hell will not prevail. I mean, want to reach your family and reach your world and reach your circle. I mean, want God to allow you to reach somebody in your life. He's done everything to stop you, but He can't. He's done everything to stop you, to apprehend you. I'm going to pray this and I'll let you go. As I was praying a few months ago about this, the Lord spoke to me. When it says they were going to apprehend them, it's two different words, apprehend, apprehending and apprehension. But the Lord said the reason they won't go because they have a spirit of apprehension. Nervous, fearful. When God says witness, how many know we? Won't they reject me? What if? I come to tell you, we got to get beyond the fear of apprehension and know if he, if he told me to do it, he's going to show up at it. He's going to speak to me. He's going to lead me. I challenge you in the next six months to reach as many people as you can, to get involved with as many people, leading them to the Lord as you can, asking people to come to the house of God, witnessing your testimony to somebody. And you know what happened? Life is going to come to people. Life is going to come to that city. Life is going to come to that family. Why? Because out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Lift your hands and say, God, I want you to flow into me and through my life. Oh, God. There's a call of God right now to teach and to reach. It's a window of opportunity. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.